<laughs> I like that long, long time. <laughs> Don't put too many longs on that there. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate that. That was good. I love to worship God. Love to come into His presence. Isn't it good just to be here? You know, we have a responsibility to feel His presence and to enter into that. You know, just I was, I sometimes like to just scan around and look at your faces as you're worshiping God. Greg, I saw your face there, mate. And I just want to say to you that God's love and forgiveness of you is complete. He loves you so much, mate. And I am so glad that you found him, okay? And Aaron, I just saw you sitting up there behind me, mate, and I just want to say, I'm so, it thrills my heart to see you sitting here in church, mate, you know, with the rest of the people. God loves you, mate, and so do I. Anyway, let's just pray before we start and uh, see what God has to say to us this morning. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that we can come into this place. I thank you that you want and you do speak to us, that you want to direct us now more than ever. Lord, in these days, in these times, that we are your light. We are your ambassadors here on this earth to show a world that in this craziness that's around us, that you live, you exist, you are our hope, you are our strength. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to rise up into that more and more. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Good stuff. Well, as you know, Pastor Rick, oh, by the way, that's right, before I start here, I wanted to say something, actually, to those people particularly at home at the moment, um, when I was just thinking through some stuff before. I was thinking for, for you people at home, you know, people are here in the service, and you know, it's great to come into his presence and have worship, but when you're at home, you are just as much in his presence as this we are here, as we are here. But I want to encourage you when you're at home, don't sit back and watch this as if it was a TV program, as if you're watching a show. We are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I want you to receive the word today as well. I want you to be able to worship in your homes just as much because God wants that for you. Anyway, I encourage you at home today. Okay, um, Pastor Ian um, contacted his leaders and he said for January, he wanted to have a short topic called, Oh My God, Let Me Tell You About Him. And uh, it was a funny sort of title, um, but he wants us to come to you and to give you some sort of um, insight, I suppose, into the revelation that we as leaders have received. How has God spoken to us? So, Oh My God, to me, when I read that, it is very much an expression. It's, a, it's an emotional response. It's not like a, oh my God. It's like, no, oh my God. And it's like not used in the sense the world does, but in the sense of how awesome is our God? How incredible is He? What impact has He had on our lives and other people's lives? It's those moments where the reality of God in our lives just hits you and it's, oh my God, I am saved. I'm in the presence of the living God. I'm bound for heaven in eternity after, um, after this life. And I think for us, we need to have those oh my God moments in our lives. 
As Christians, it's those oh my God moments that takes us to the next level, to the next plane. It means that for us, we, we're not got a, a faith or a religion that is a mental decision or a religious ritual. It's real and it's vibrant and it comes from our heart. I want to reflect, oh my God, when I worship him. I want to press into those times of worship and that's what I said to people at home. Don't rob yourselves of just sitting down and letting the people here worship. When you're at home, you worship as well because you're in his presence. I want people to be able to enter into that moment. I've had many people say to me in the past, I just don't feel his presence. As if somehow it's God's responsibility to come down and to take you by the shoulders and shake you. Now, God can do that, <laughs> believe me. He can come down and do that. But our God is omnipresent. He is here right now, he's at home, he's wherever, you know, wherever you are, he can be right there with you. But the scriptures tell us that the burden sometimes lies on us, that God has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and we know the way to him. And we have to press into that. In James 4 and verse 8, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Notice which way around that is. Come near to God and he will come near to you. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God wants to be found. But in that one, it kind of conjures up for me a little bit sometimes. You know, when my kids were just little and they were learning how to walk, and you know, as fathers are want to do, they want to be able to play with their kids. And so as they, as they get up and they just start to walk, and you kind of do this, come to dad. But as they're walking towards you, you just keep walking away because you get so much enjoyment watching them walk. I'll make sure I don't go back too much further. <laughs> okay, you wanna watch them coming towards you and you get excitement out of that. You know, God wants to be found. And it's not that he's hiding. It's just that he wants you to seek him. He wants you to go after him and press into him. And so when you come, don't just sit there sort of waiting, God hit me, you know, sort of thing. What you have to do is you have to come into his presence and press in and seek after him and seek his face. As I said, oh my God, it's like an expression of wonder, an expression of a moment where you have with God. And there's many, in the, many people in the Bible that have this moment that we read about and who have come into Jesus' presence, for instance, and they've had an oh my God moment with Jesus. And I wanna share a few of those little passages with you. And what they said to me. The first of those is Mary Magdalene. We know about Mary Magdalene, but let me read you a little bit about her. Luke 7 and verse 37. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard um, he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet. Now, you've got to get the picture here. Jesus is at a home party. He's having dinner. And this woman comes in. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping right there. You don't normally have people weeping on the floor at your feet at a dinner party. 
Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on him. When you read that, you can think, sounds a bit excessive. Sounds a bit out there. You know, like certainly the people, the disciples, whoever else was there at the dinner, they're all getting a little bit, whoa, come on, like just, like not only is what she's doing is like kind of, oh gee, that's excessive, showing this much emotion, but would we know who she is? We know this woman. She's got a background. But what's Jesus say? This woman is doing a beautiful thing. What she is doing here will be told for generations and millennia to come. Because this woman dared to show her emotions. She dared to show her love to me. In her excess, she prophetically is talking about what's gonna to happen to me in my death. She's anointing me with this perfume for what is about to happen to me. You know, I'm a sort of person, I suppose that when I was younger, I didn't show my emotions very much, but praise God, I've come to that place now where I have learned to do that. And in a lot of ways, I thank my mother over there who is sitting right here because she had a son that was very shy and introverted. But when I was young, she coaxed me and she trained me and she encouraged me to show my emotions, to be able to come out of my shell. Thanks, Mum. It certainly stood me in good stead and it's enabled me to be who I am now. Because to me, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter who you are or what's happened to you. If you come into the presence of Jesus Christ, he elicits a response from you. He elicits an emotion to show him how much you love him. Mary Magdalene, she was a woman of ill repute. She had a background, but she knew how much Jesus had forgiven her. She had such gratitude for her Savior that she could fall at his feet, not matter where it was or what the circumstances or who was watching her or what they thought of her. She could fall at his feet and do what she did because she loved him. And I encourage us all that we need to be a people who can show gratitude to our Savior and come into his place and dare we say, show him our emotions as well. Secondly, the children. We know in a part of the Bible there in Mark chapter 10 that the children came running to Jesus. You can imagine them all running around and coming to him and wanting to sit on his knee and stuff like that. And yet again, we see adults, growing ups, disciples even, who are saying, shoo, shoo go away, stop doing this. What's all this fuss? Jesus is an important person. He doesn't need you running around his feet here. And Jesus is like, you almost see him, hey, stop right there. I want these children to come to me. I want them to show me their emotions. I want their praise and their adulation. I want them to come to me. Whoa. You know, sometimes we can get a little bit too adult, a little bit too grown up, <laughs> a little bit too trained maybe, and wanting decorum and order and things that are around us. Praise God, I found my way to a Pentecostal church, but never let us get so 
growing up that we lose the wonder and the joy of a saviour and come running to him. I can understand it in part because I'm a grandfather, not only a father, I've got eight grandchildren. And I've got to tell you, I love it when my grandchildren come running up to me saying, Papa, Papa, and with their arms out, and I don't just go, <coughs> excuse me, move away, what do I do? I actually get down low, except for Mackie, <laughs> so I get down low, and I say, ready, come on, run to me. But you know, even in that, Mackie's my eldest granddaughter, she's 11 now, and she's nearly as tall as me. <laughs> but you know, even for Mackie, I say to her, darling, I never want you to stop coming to me and giving your grandfather cuddles. And I will always have cuddles for you as long as I am alive. And we need to do that too. We need to make sure we always come running to our saviour. Thirdly, the soldiers. Love this story. John chapter 18, verse four and six. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. We know that this was an incredible moment for him, a terribly difficult time where he felt so alone and separated and yet he was in his, the presence of his father. After he had gone through that and he had committed himself to going to the cross, we know the angels came and ministered to him. But at that time, the soldiers arrived and they were ready to arrest him, to take him away, to beat him, torture him, put him on a cross and sacrifice him. Let me read to you from verse four, John 18, verse four. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and they fell to the ground. Oh my God. The soldiers, beefy men, armor on, swords, ready to come and get this man who was just standing before them, unarmed, vulnerable. There was heaps of them, one of him. And yet at the very words, I am he. It says in the word of God that all the soldiers drew back and they fell to the ground. Our God is an awesome God. Our Savior is the risen Lord now. But even then, He was God. He is God. Do you understand whose presence you come into? When we come here and we worship here and we sing songs, do you realize you are singing to the Lord of the universe, the King of Kings, the I am. Come into his presence with awe. I can understand it and I've seen it in my own life. You know, I've been through many seasons in church life over all these years and there was a season where we would see a lot of people slain in the spirit. They would come out to an altar call and we'd pray for them and they'd fall over. Now, it's very easy to look at that and to, again, be a bit skeptical and say, well, you know, it's just their emotionalism. It's just, you know, something they do. I was there. I prayed for some of those people. I didn't push them. I'm not like that. I don't do that. And certainly I'm sure some people might want to, you know, get on the bandwagon, but I've been slain in the spirit before. And I've got to tell you, when you're in God's presence, never diminish what God can do. Never diminish the power of God. 
What you do is you stand in awe of an awesome God that can do whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to push a battalion of soldiers over backwards and make them fall down, then he can. And he can certainly do it in our lives as well. Our God is an omnipotent God, all-powerful. Number four, John on the island of Patmos, Revelations. Jesus came to him and was sharing the revelation that um, John was to write into the Bible and to tell us um, about the things that were yet to come. In Revelations 1 verse 17, it says, when I saw him, the Lord, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as I was dead, as if I was dead. It's a bit like I said before, but are you in awe of the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes when I'm worshiping God, it's just, I, I kind of get overcome and I just find tears coming down my face. You know, at first it's like, you know, oh, gee, I don't wanna see anybody. But you know what, I've got past that now. If I've moved to tears in worship to God, praise God. Because his presence deserves an emotional response of some type from me to be in his presence. Who is this Jesus to you? Is he a Bible character that you read about? Is he someone that you kind of give mental assent to? Or is he the son of God, your Lord and Savior, your Redeemer? He's our omniscient one, the one who knows our past, he knows our present, he knows our future. There is nothing in your background that can prevent you from coming to him. The disciples on the fifth one I've got for you, the disciples, they had fellowship with him. They walked with him, they ate with him, they laughed, they fished with him. Jesus was their friend. This is the amazing thing. Like, we've got an awesome God that can have such power, and yet at the same time, he can come as our friend, somebody that we come alongside, who we can talk to in our own quiet times. It's an awesome God who has all these facets I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1982. I've shared this before. But I remember it so distinctly that Pastor Ian was preaching a sermon about being a friend of Jesus Christ. And I so much wanted that. I wanted to be a friend of Jesus Christ. I didn't want to just live a religious Christianity. I wanted to know him. And so when the altar call came, I came forward. And uh, Ian came up to me and he said, what do you want? I said, I want what you said. I want Jesus to be my friend. And so he put his hands on me, and as he started to pray for me, just that that would be, come on upon my life, I suddenly burst out speaking in tongues. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, hang on, I didn't come for that. I came to be a friend of Jesus. And Jesus says, they're one and the same thing. See, I want you to know the Spirit, my Spirit. I want you to be able to come close to me, to know me, to share with me. And unless you understand the Spirit, unless you have the fullness of the Spirit in you, how am I gonna come to you and be close to you? How am I gonna be your friend if you're just doing it through a mental ascent? You can only come that close to me through the Spirit that I have left behind. Whoa, oh my God. Please give me more of this. Give me more of this, more of the Spirit because I wanna come closer to you. I want to know you in the fullness. And so I grabbed hold of it and I've run with it for the last 45 years of my life. Nothing is impossible for our God. You know, for us, um, actually, before I do that, there's another bit I want to um, read. 
There's a section there that although Jesus was the friend of the disciples, they were also in awe of Jesus. There's a part in scripture where it talks about the disciples who were on the sea, the, the Sea of Galilee, and the storm got up. Now I did a bit of research on this, and I found out with the Sea of Galilee, like you think of a, like, almost like a huge big lake, that the waves can get up to three meters high on the Sea of Galilee, and they were in a fishing boat. No wonder they were terrified. <laughs> now let me read to you. Matthew 8, verse 26. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You think, duh. Three meter waves, we're in a fishing boat. They go, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? Oh my God. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. And they realized that whilst Jesus was their friend and teacher and rabbi and a miracle worker, he was the son of God. He could command the very nature itself and nature had to obey him. That is who our God is. And he said to them, you also have that ability to speak in my name. For us, Susan and I, we've been going through somewhat of a storm this year ourselves. Many of you probably already know, but um, Susan's been fighting with cancer um, for the last half of a year. She had a major operation where she had a third of one of her organs removed, and she's been having chemo for the last four months. Um, that's been a challenging time for us. Um, at the same time, I've got parents that are struggling in their own health, both on both sides. And so we've been going through that. And the storm can rage around us at times. But from this story, we have a great truth. And that is that God has given us the ability to speak peace, to speak calm into storming situations. We are going through that, that journey that we're on and we will get to the other side of this journey. It doesn't look quite what I expected it to look like. You know, I have seen God's miraculous power. I have seen healings in my own body and on other people over time. But God, if you can't typecast God. There's different ways he moves and he reacts. But in it, I know that we can have peace and calm and God is going before us in this thing. So we have to know God from a whole different perspective and we have to know that he will go through us through these times. In 2 Corinthians 5.16 we read, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Through all these times, through the challenges and the trials that come my way, I have learned to view Jesus in an entirely different way. Not from a human point of view. I view him through the spirit of God to find out what he wants me to know and understand in every situation. Susan's at home today. She was uh, unable to come today, but my daughter's sitting with her. And so here's a shout out to you, my love. May God be with you and bless you as you're at home there today. 
want to move on now, just as we're finishing up, and I'll get the band to come on back up again, um, if I could. I want to share with you another personal revelation that I received in my life, and I received this personal revelation many years ago. And that is um, when I was uh, in my 20s, and um, I had little tiny ones, uh, little babies and toddlers, and I've got to tell you, I love being a father. And I was just so much in love with these little children that God had given us, three of them. And uh, at the time, it was in the 1980s, and I remember I was into end times theology at that time. I was doing a lot of study on finding out, you know, what is yet to come and all the prophecies and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, and the expectation that God will not tarry for too much longer and that Jesus will come back again, you know, um, fairly soon. I was very much aware of that. And so I offered up this prayer one day and I want to share with you what that prayer sounded like. It went something like this. Oh God, thank you so much for these children that you've given me. But Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just hold back for the moment and that you wouldn't send Jesus back again just yet because I want my children to be able to experience life. I want them to be able to grow up and to, you know, get married and have children themselves and get the thrill of, you know, the things I've experienced in this life. So God, please, if you can hear my prayer, just give us a bit more time and let Jesus sort of wait for a while. When I got the response to that prayer, I was somewhat taken aback <laughs> and surprised by the answer that I received. The answer went something like this. Andrew, you have no idea what you are talking about. You have no idea what you are asking. You are asking purely from a human point of view. You are asking about life here on this earth. Do you really think that any life that you can have here can compare at all to the life that they will experience in my presence? I have a place, not just for you, but for your children as well, who will come into my presence and they will have pure joy in my presence. When I heard that prayer, it changed my perspective entirely. Because sometimes we focus too much on what is going on around us. We focus too much on whether things are going well or whether things are going bad. Whether we've got coronavirus or we've got no coronavirus. All I know is we have a living God who is with me now and who I am going to. I, when I got saved, I started eternity at that very time. I stepped out, I died to this world, and I said, Lord, I'm yours. And he said, right from this day forth, you're on your way to eternity. But eternity begins from that moment. And we have to let go a little bit of this life. Stop putting everything about what happens to us and start to serve him faithfully, no matter what. Because it's in those moments when we serve him faithfully, no matter what is going on around us, that a world says, wow. Oh my God, there's something different about you. And you can say truly yes, oh my God. That is exactly what is different about me. 
because I have a God that transcends what happens to me in this world. I have a God that transcends my background. It transcends the sins, the sins that I found myself in. He's forgiven me those and He's stood me on a high place and He's let me know that I'm gonna be with Him for eternity. That's what we have. And so, in closing, oh my God, He is worthy of our praise. Hebrews 12.2 says, because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. I think Jesus had a little bit of an advantage over us. See, He came from heaven, so He knows what He's going back to. But we need to trust Him that where He went and for the joy that was before Him, He endured the cross. We too, we endure this life and we move forward because what is the joy before us as well? Jesus said to His disciples in John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We access that gift of peace. And boy, if ever a world, if ever people needed peace and calm in their lives, it is right now. I know the, the strategy of the devil at the moment is to bring fear to this earth, fear into people's lives. Don't give into it. Don't go there because that's where the enemy wants us. We pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and God can calm the raging storm. He can bring peace into our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation that you have brought us, each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you for your presence that is with us. I thank you, Lord, for the power that you share with us. I thank you, Lord, for being our friend. And Lord, I thank you for being our God. Lord, I lift up the church to you, everybody that's here and that's maybe watching right now. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch them with your presence as they press into you. Lord, if there's fear, Right now, I pray calm in their lives, that they would not worry about what's coming or what the news says today or tomorrow. All we know is that we have a God that is way above that. Lord, I pray for those people that are feeling maybe a bit distant from you right now, that they press into your presence and want to be your friend. Lord, I pray for people that maybe right now don't even know you. And right now, Lord, that they would bow their knee and they would come to you and they would find you. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Let's stand up and let's praise God. Thank you, Lord.